You've got to tune into the Zealous Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Snyder. This week, we got the Oakland A's on deck. And that's Brian Schulman, Director of Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation for the A's organization. And Brian and I are just going to sit back and have a really good conversation. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Click the subscribe button. And remember, that handle on Instagram is at Rocky underscore Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. Before we begin, though, I want to tell you about a couple of courses that are coming up, one in person and the other one already existing online at RockySnyder.com. And this online course is called Exploring Foot Wedges. So if you want to improve kinematic sequencing in your clients, patients, athletes, whomever you work with, maybe there's some compensatory patterns that are creating some chronic issues in the tissue, so to speak, using inclined planes underneath the foot, little wedges, can clean up a whole bunch of movements. And this online course, which is approved for CEUs with the NSCA, you can just check it out at rockysnyder.com. Plus, I'm taking that on the road. I'll be outside of Boston at Physio X Physical Therapy in Needham, Massachusetts, September 23rd. There is still room available, or at least spots for you if you want to get on there. Also, go to my website, rockysnyder.com. <laughs> All right. So, but you are director of sports med, your athletic trainer, and CSCS for the, yeah. for the A's organization. How long have you been yeah. in that particular position? Since Nick left? So, yeah, since, yeah, kind of since Nick left, um, the position, we created it as Nick was leaving. Um, it's, I think it was a position that, that we had been striving to get to because of the needs of different things and, and um, some, you know, our internal philosophies and trying to align those together. Nick and I started with the A's together. We we started together in 2011. So we kind of, um, you know, through his leadership, um, and I was right there, kind of helped build the program to where it is now. So, you know, a lot of our ideologies are the same. I think, you know, obviously our treatment approach is different I, a little bit. Um, uh, you know, the way we go about things might be a little bit different, but for the most part, our ideologies are, are, are fairly aligned um, and how we kind of both see well how I see our organization developing I think how he saw it um he chose to um to to step away and go to a different organization I think um for a multitude of reasons all of which uh seem to be working out in his favor we I just saw him uh they came in town and played us uh uh first first series after the all-star break so we catch up a little bit uh but you know it's uh it was a first it was a first this is the first year of this position and kind of growing the uh, the bird's eye view of the organization from a holistic standpoint from that encompasses all sports, sports medicine, um, strength and conditioning, uh, sports science that I'm kind of overseeing uh, as an evolution uh, that we are building. It, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. Well, from previous guests I've had on, it, it seems like that's kind of, you know, the organic flow of things and what's happening used yeah. to be that you were the strength coach, but now you're a director of performance. And, and then we're starting to bring in sports science and nutrition. And then the medical team is forming with the training team or, you know, it's, it, it seems like that's just kind of a natural way of things. Is it? Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely been an evolution in the, in the industry. Um, you know, I think, 
there was, you know, for baseball, there was the head trainer. Um, and the head trainer took care that there's the major league head trainer. The head trainer took care of the major league scheme and kind of oversaw some things that were going on maybe in the minor leagues with the 40 man players or the top prospects. And then you had the, the minor league medical coordinator that kind of oversaw all of things that were going on in the minor leagues. Um, and, you know, I think with the minor league coordinator are typically either housed in Arizona or Florida and the, the major league head trainer is in um, the home city, whether it be Oakland or, you know, uh, Milwaukee or Minnesota in the front office is there. So the front office naturally goes to the head trainer because that's who you have direct contact with. And then that head trainer starts getting pulled away. Um, in my eyes, this is where I see how the evolution kind of started and the head trainer starts pulling, you know, getting pulled away and, you know, leaving the assistants short staffed um, to take care of, of the, the active roster. And um, the, uh, the expectations that then the front office has to the major league head trainer to be able to answer all these questions leaves him, you know, paying more attention at times to the whole organization. And I think that's how things kind of developed. Um, and, you know, the, the medical staff is kind of always the front front lines. Um, you know, we are always the ones who are going to get questions first. Um, so there's always a comfortability, I think, from the front office to go to the athletic trainers um, for questions. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of how things kind of developed uh, in football, you know, when I was when I was in the NFL years ago, um, it was uh, there were three of us in a full season. You know, four of us, three three full time athletic trainers in a in a full season um, intern, if you will, was, was my position. Um, and you know, that's now evolved to the director of medical, to the head athletic trainer, to the director of physical therapy, to the director of rehabilitation, and then there's. I mean, I think some some of these NFL staffs have six, seven, eight medical professionals in there, um, and the needs of the players are growing, and the expectations that the players expect, that the front office expects, um, whether it is um, massage therapy, chiropractic care. Uh, doctor uh, availability for doctor appointments communication you know there, this is not the best best thing to say but you know there used to be this is years ago trust me this is not the philosophy now is hey if it was broken today it'll be broken tomorrow we'll figure out then but answers need to be answered answers need to be answered yesterday um and so you know it it the needs and the demands of the profession and from the front office who have to answer questions has really helped evolve these director type leadership positions who can oversee everything at one point and can manage um, the care uh, who can, you know, have this bird's eye view of this happens here, something's going to happen there and something else is going to happen there. And to have that, that forward thinking um, and it's a really long winded, answer I just gave you I think but that in my head is the evolution of how this these directors and what I'm in now has developed um it's just expectations have changed 
and but the, and the expectations the expectations aren't that high actually i mean we're talking about athlete care so if huh? nothing else the improvement of of the the idea of what the athlete is and not just as a disposable commodity but as a potential of long-term profitability i guess and success right that's that's kind of the the shift that's occurred from old school thinking to where you guys are now. I mean, you've got so many services that are interwoven, yeah. and interdisciplinary with, with a great communication network, at least seemingly to me. Is that spot on? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say you're right. I mean, the, the, the expectations of, of athlete care has never changed and, and you're, you're spot on with that. Um, you know, uh, a former uh, head trainer of mine, you know, said, at least from an athletic training standpoint, we are we are a service-oriented profession. We are here to serve the athletes. Um, that's why I do what I do is I like helping people. Um, I love helping people. I love being able to provide answers or resources to help people succeed, to feel better, to for their health, for improvement. Um, so Where those expectations. What's the what's your background like? Let's <laughs> talk about that for a second. Like. We'll come back to the the athletes and, all right. and networking, all that. But I'd love to know, like, I love history because yeah. by understanding where things came from and people came from, you get a better understanding of where they are now. So, yeah, give us a little lowdown, Brian. Um, gosh, I, where where that kind of love came from, I don't know. Um, you know. I knew about athletic training from my dad. My dad was actually a student athletic trainer in high school um, in Southfield, Michigan. Um, he uh, then moved on and was a student athletic trainer at Eastern Michigan um, before he left there. So I kind of knew about the profession. He, I remember him telling me at times he, you know, he um, would go to, I think he would maybe, I mean, not to date my dad and not to, to, to date how old I am these days. Um, you know, the first Kramer education courses, like in the 50s and 60s, like where, you know, Kramer Sports Medicine was putting on these workshops for a day. Um, and, you know, there are pictures of my dad taping ankles when he was in college. Um, and so I, I knew about the profession. I, I think early on in life, I wanted to be a doctor and then that kind of I kind of had this fear of blood for a while um, and then um, moved on from that. And then I thought I was going to be a lawyer and a sports agent and uh, moved on from that and, and fell back in love uh, with, uh, with medicine. Um, and, you know, I went to undergrad at UC Santa Barbara um, where I thought I was going to be able to play baseball. And that, that kind of dream lasted about 10 days. Um, and I realized that the 510 summer left-hander was just not going to cut it in uh, in college sports. And I, I just kind of naturally gravitated to to the head baseball trainer while I was there. We started hanging out. Um, we both loved to surf every day. Being in Santa Barbara, it was kind of easy. And he kind of took me under his wing. And he's like, hey, why don't you come hang out in the training room and, and see what we do? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of knew about that. My dad, this, 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 and that. Um, all the while, I'm, I'm still taking political science classes because I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And uh, um, when I realized you had to wear a suit every day and go to work from like, you know, <laughs> eight, 
eight, eight to six, uh, and you couldn't wear flip flops. I was like, this might not be for me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I was, <laughs> I was stupid enough not to change my major. In fact, I, I wound up basically creating a double major for myself. So I finished the political science degree. Don't ask me anything about politics right now. Um, my wife likes to give me a lot of crap about that. Like, you know, during elections, she goes, don't you know this, this process? I'm like, <laughs> study for the tests. And that was about it. And then so anyway, I, I shifted and I, I just, I had these mentors at, at UC Santa Barbara who were just incredible. Um, and back then, athletic training, you could go through an internship um, route and uh, there wasn't a curriculum, but you had to take certain courses. You had to take uh, certain courses to be able to sit for the NATA exam. And, and UC Santa Barbara didn't offer all of those. So I actually had to go take, I think, three or four classes at Santa Barbara Community College because um, they offered them. Um, I think I took maybe one other course. You know, back then there wasn't online education, so we didn't do anything like that. Um, I think I maybe took one other course at in a summer at UCLA. Um, anyway, but you had to you had to go all in if this is what you wanted. You had to go all in, and you couldn't just kind of dip your toe in the water and come out and like if you wanted to do this, like you had to sacrifice. And and I did. Um, you know, I had a lot of fun in college. My first two years, um, I surfed every day. I Hung okay, out, hold on. Where, what's what was your break? What's your home break there? Um, Campus Point was probably my favorite, um, and cool. then uh, Devereux, um, and uh -huh. then we would go down when it wasn't breaking. We would go down to uh, Rincon a little bit, or down to Ventura to C Street. Um, C Street. So that was kind of that was kind of my jam. Back always, there. you've always got waves at C Street. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you do. What yeah. anywhere else is doing right. Yeah, so it is in so you know, fun. and then when it wasn't when it wasn't breaking, we'd just go and I I I talk this big surf game now, but I haven't surfed in years. Just the life oh. I live, and and I know I know. One of our doc, one of our team doctors, uh, our is a good friend of mine. Um, he uh, he's in uh, private practice and educational practice um, with with Stanford, um, but also has a private practice. But he he surfs all the time he drives down to santa cruz out by you and um every day like not every day but um probably three four times a week when he can or he goes out to ocean beach and you know five o'clock in the morning and then he gets up and goes into his practice and he's like dude why don't you come with me? i would love to but you should I, man i've got plenty well, of boards I down got, here i got i got two kids at home who i barely get to see as it is um and anyway i Long story short, I'm just saying so. they're not awake. <laughs> come dawn patrol, so the, uh, right. I got I got one I got one kid who is who would come with me, and I got a and, and he uh, he would do it. Uh, it's I think it's in my blood still, but you know I found I found other passions. Um, no problem, just planting the seed. I so, know, and, and you say, go ahead. No, no, no I you know, and and so what I was you know. The other thing that we would do is when it, when it wasn't breaking, we would go on these paddles because I, I, I longboarded and I would just paddle next to um, one of the other guys and we'd just sit there and talk. And those talks 
just kind of continued to fuel my passion for what we wanted to do. Um, and like I was saying, like you, you back then you, you, you had to go all in and I went all in. Um, I, like I said, I had fun for a couple of years. Um, I enjoyed college. Um, my grades were okay. And then I found, I went all in and for better, for worse, I alienated myself from a lot of my buddies, um, from a lot of my friends from back in high school. I was just, I was a training room rat. I mean, I would, they would get, they wound up giving me a key. I mean, I was in a senior in college and I had a key to the kingdom. I mean, in my world, I would get there at six o'clock in the morning, full towels, yeah. make ice bags, study the books, go to class, come back, cover my assigned sport. I, I taught. Uh, I was a I was an undergrad assistant or clinical assistant for teaching kinesiology course. And I just went all in. Um, found a couple internships. Um, I took a PBATS internship with the the Dodgers um, before my senior year in college, um, and decided I want to go to grad school. Education was important to me. It was really important to me, um, and I took a, a grad position at Fresno State um, where I got my graduate degree and, and worked and I and I chose that 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 school because it had a football team um, and, and a good football Barber. team yeah we were we were really good back then I mean that was when David Carr was there that was we were mm -hmm. we were not Derek David that's you know we're talking 25 years ago yeah. now uh, Derek was Teddy Bruce he came from there yeah a whole bunch of uh, no no there. no no he came from Sacramento not, um, yeah, we were, I mean, that was else for the Super Bowl Lorenzo Pats came from Fresno. Uh, Logan Mankins. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Logan, Logan Mankins was, uh, one of our offensive linemen back then. Um, he was just a freshman as I was leaving, but I, I do remember Logan is just a big, big boy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he was, he was, he, he had an incredible career. Um, but you know, I, I chose that, that school because. I felt like I needed to be well-rounded. I needed experience. Um, I had a ton of baseball experience. I had a ton of volleyball, water polo experience in Santa Barbara, um, baseball experience, like I said, soccer. And I thought to be well-rounded, I had to go do some other things. And so I chose that where I did football and baseball. Um, and then I wanted to kind of continue building that. And I took a position with the 49ers. Um, and when, when I say my path is unconventional, I'm, I'm talking unconventional to get to where I'm at now. I uh, took a, a position with the 49ers, which was supposed to be a year-long position. Um, and after a couple, like one month or two after the season, uh, they were going through some ownership changes. And they said, hey, we can't pay you for three months, um, but we want you to come back. I said, well, my wife and I, at the time, we were, we were about to get married. I'm like, I kind of need a salary. I need money. My wife is a teacher. She was supporting me, um, supporting us as, as well as she could. Um, and the guys at uh, the 49ers were incredible and still some of my, my closest friends um, who they're all no longer there. Um, they've moved on to some other positions. And but they helped find a three month position at Cal Berkeley. And so I said, OK, well, uh, I'll go to Cal Berkeley. I work there. And then they said, hey come June, come back, we're we'll start this over again. And I was like, okay. 
And then my, we started talking and I was like, I just don't know if that's the risk I want to take. I don't know if, if this happens again and we're married and you know, we're going to start a family and, and I'm living unknown if they're going to cut the position. And uh, I remember we were on our honeymoon and I must have interviewed for six, seven different positions. Um, Cal wind up, wound up coming through and offering me a full-time position. So I stayed there. Um, and I was there for seven years um, through some good times and then through some really bad times with the, or with the university when um, they had some financial challenges when they were trying to build a new football stadium and doing different things um, and some different leadership changes. But I was, I was safe there. You know, I, uh, I, I had an incredible um, time working with the aquatics programs. I developed these incredible relationships with the coaches, with the, the water polo players. Um, I did a, a little stint with uh, uh, the USA water polo. Um, I was overseeing baseball. I was working women's soccer. I was working. And then I, I had this passion for, for rehab and um, kind of created this um, I don't remember the title was coordinator of rehabilitation for Olympic sports um, at Cal. And, and I was happy. Um, I was also frustrated, but you know, I was, had a, had a career. Uh, I wasn't going to go anywhere. I, I really enjoyed the Bay area. Um, uh, I'm originally from Los Angeles and I don't really have a desire to ever go back down there. Um, yeah. I won't hold that against you. It's good that you're in the Bay area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, we leave. Uh, we we leave after we're done here. We're in Colorado right now, playing the Rockies, and we leave here and go play the Dodgers. So I I do have to go down there for four days, but it's kind of like a a bittersweet bittersweet homecoming. But then I get to come back home to to the Bay. Uh, and you know, long story to finish a long story that to finish a long story. You know, one day I got a phone call from uh, David Forrest who. Uh, at the time was our was the open days assistant general manager he's now our general manager kind of head of baseball operations and said hey we want you to to interview um to join the staff i said sure where did this come from to this day i, I to this day 13 years 13 and a half years later i still don't know exactly how my name got to david i have some thoughts um anyway i interviewed with them um at the same time, Nick was interviewing. Um, Nick got the head trainer position. Um, kind of created this third athletic trainer position that was going to be in charge of rehab. Um, and I took it. And uh, it was scary. I mean, I was leaving a, a career position um, where I had tenure. I had... Uh, uh, what do you, Benefits and all those well, things. Yeah, benefits. Uh, a fully vested program and benefits and everything else. I I was good and, yeah. but you know I had always wanted to work baseball. Um, but hmm. you know when I when I left the Dodgers um, as an intern, they had talked about kind of joining their their organization as a rookie ball team. Um, and but I chose to go to grad school. When I was in grad school, I had a couple team calls from some other teams that people I knew who had offered me positions in Provo, Utah, with the angels rookie ball team or uh somewhere in 
wherever the Cubs were, I interviewed with them. And but it just, I made a decision that I was going to be a family guy, and my wife and I were going to get married and eventually have kids. And the life of a minor league athletic trainer was not going to be for me. So, but and I and I was, I was at peace with it. I was totally fine. I love the sport. I worked college baseball um, for a while. I enjoyed that. Um, and I was totally fine. And then I got this phone call and I was like, well, let's see what it's all about. And I took a leap of faith and, um, you know, really the best decision I ever made. Um, I, 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 I got a major league position without spending a single day in the minor leagues. Um, yeah. I'm sure that, I'm sure that ruffled a lot of feathers at first. Um, I'm sure there's still a couple people who hold it against me maybe. And now in the position that I'm in now, um, but it, uh, I know I grinded. I know I worked my tail off. You know, other people do it different ways. I, you know, I don't equate to what I did to being the exact same as what some minor league athletic trainers did, but you know, there were things that I had to do that they weren't used to doing and, and it all made, uh, made, made me better. Like it's made other people better in different ways and gave us different experiences and, allowed me to to get to where I'm at now and I think it, it taught me a lot of things time management priorities communication um, all that stuff uh, in just different ways and I am just really fortunate to be to be where I'm at now and very thankful so yeah and so um, so Nick Paparesta he he leaves after several years with you and you guys working mm -hmm. up the ranks and building what you've built and he's yeah. off in Minnesota with the twins but what is your, for the listening audience, what is your official title with the Oakland Athletics? I am, I am now the Director of Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation. So I oversee all of sports medicine, all of the athletic training for the organization. I oversee all of strength and conditioning for the organization. Uh, and I oversee all of sports science. Um, Damn, man, that's a lot. <laughs> it is, but we've got really good people who still do a lot of the other stuff. You know, our, our head strength coach, Josh Cuffey, oversees a lot of the strength conditioning stuff. I kind of oversee it from a holistic practical part, trying to make sure we tie things together. Um, Jeff Collins is our head athletic trainer. Jeff and I worked um, side by side together in Oakland as, a, as we were both assistants under Nick um, for six years. And prior to that, Jeff was the minor league coordinator for I think 15 years in, in the organization and we worked together doing a lot of other things preparing for the draft and and uh, medical reviews and creation things and so we've worked together for years and you know he like I was talking about earlier you know the way we develop this position is to allow people to focus on and have ownership of what they are in charge of. So Jeff is the head major league athletic trainer. Jeff just needs to focus on the 26 guys we have on the roster. Maybe, you know, the, the other players who are in AAA who may come up and down. He just, I want him to be able to focus on that and I can handle all of the other stuff that, that may go on, whether it's doctor's phone calls, setting up appointments, uh, communication with doctors, developing plans, um, you know, we work together in terms of, of developing some rehabilitation plans along with our assistant athletic trainer who is in charge of rehab. 
Um, that's what I, I, I previously did for 12 years and I still had a huge passion for rehab and I never want to, to get rid of it. Um, and so I kind of made it a point that that's something I was going to do um, and oversee that stuff and oversee the return to play process and coming up with plans. Um, Josh Cuffey, like I said, is in charge of our major league strength and conditioning. Like I don't write strength programs, Josh, that's Josh. Um, we put ideas together um, from a holistic standpoint. Um, the other thing in terms of sports science um, that we're starting to grow is I want um, to make sure we're all on the same page. You know, I, I, as we, we grow sports science and we have a biomechanist who um, is way smarter than I am, um, and uh, Ethan Stewart, and I understand a lot of the biomechanist, biomechanics stuff, but I don't own it. And that's for him to own. Um, what I like to do is to be the project manager, if you will, and to put all those pieces together. And hey, we see these biomechanics changes that we need to make. Okay, cool. What can we do from an athletic training standpoint, whether it's tissue work, whether it's preparation, what can Josh do from the strength conditioning side? Um, what can this, the, our pitching coach do? And I can communicate with them. Um, so we're all for lack of a cliche, rowing the boat in the same direction. You know, we don't just have one oar going left, one oar going right, and, you know, the coxswain yelling, go straight. Um, and that's that's what I enjoy doing. I like putting the pieces together, and I like seeing things from this bird's eye view of, okay, we got to get, you know, if, if the pitching coach wants their guys, you know, the the player to, to work on trunk rotation and he's throwing medicine balls, we don't need to be doing medicine ball throws in the weight room. Then we're overtaxing the system. Um, and at the same time, in the athletic training point, we don't want to counter movement, you know, we, or we want to create counter movement. So we create this, this balance and a synergy and we, you know, want to make sure we prepare the body for what we know they're going to do. So it's not just like, um, Hey, I'm going to go out there and, and do all these crazy funky drills and no one knows what's going on. So that's what my role is to do is to kind of, put everything together and make sure we're kind of like I said following the same yeah. path well how much of your role is acting as not only a project manager but a mediator right like you've got <laughs> you've got you know what I mean you've got yeah. a whole yeah. bunch of people with some great advice and opinions and they may conflict each other how often does that happen it happens a lot um but it's you know, a lot of those conversations are because we're passionate about things. Sometimes that passion can turn into screaming and shouting matches. But you know what? It's because we care. It's not because, you know, um, it's my way or the highway. It's because, you know, we care. We're passionate about doing something a certain way. But you have to have the humility to be like, hey, maybe there's another way how to do this. Maybe if we do it this way, we can still accomplish the same goal. Um, you know, there's not a ton of, a mediation's a great point. I mean, I'm not like putting out fights and, and I'm not starting fights all the time. I mean, I've been known to voice some opinions here and there that are not the most popular at times. Um, and that's okay though, because it's it's you you've got to push the envelope you can't just keep doing the same thing and expecting the same results i mean that's whatever the the clinical definition of insanity is so we've got to push the envelope we've we've got to try new things but we've also got to stay 
grounded to what we know is right and safe. Like, you know, sure, throwing, you know, throwing a keg over our head is like doing a clean, but is that safe and really the right thing to do? No. But you know what? I might have some player who saw it on Instagram who thinks it's a great idea. We've got to be able to educate too. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of kind of, you know, I spent 12 years, like I said, as the assistant athletic trainer in charge of rehab and putting rehab progressions together and plan of cares together. And um, I think I really excel at that in terms of, of understanding what it takes and what we need to do and to think like, okay, hey, this guy has an oblique strain, but we can't just train the oblique. He's going to come back running. We've got to make sure we're running the bases. We've got to make sure he's doing this. We've got to make sure he's ready to do you know, to, to do something, you know, uh, uh, sprint in, in the, you know, linearly, linearly, straight ahead. Um, you know, so we also, with this, like you're, you're talking about evolution and I love that because mm -hmm. I, I love how the different ingredients to your overall recipe for success are kind of, kind of, kind of being added into the pot here. So for instance, when you began, say, you know, over a decade ago, you had certain Sorry, people... that's, that's hard to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. you had certain, uh, you had certain titles, certain departments, and then over say the last, yeah, the last 10 years, what new pieces, what new ingredients are being added that were missing? And, and what ones are still kind of, in your opinion, what's still missing that you would like to see in there? I mean, is there a sleep coach? Is there a personal dietitian? Is there like the wearable tech coming in? Like what, what elements yeah. do you see that are like solid big buckets and what is still missing? I think baseball is so hard right because because of our schedule you know we play 162 games in something like 183 days um we are hamstrung a little bit on wearable tech in the major actually major and minor leagues now with the new minor league cba um yeah. you used to kind of be able to treat the minor league players like lab rats and say hey wear this catapult device we're going to track you and they couldn't say anything now they and rightfully so they have a right to protect themselves um major leagues you can't do that um without their consent um mm -hmm. there's some there's some good evolution things that are coming right there are, you know teams in we're one of them that are just some teams have been using like the vault force plates or the the hawkins dynamic force plates um to measure um readiness or um recovery in terms of how you know the squat jump or the counter movement jump you know looks uh, we're just starting to do that. It's a little different, though, with baseball, right? Because I can't say, hey, you're not recovered. Hey, take it easy in practice today. Guess what? There's no practice. I mean, like, we play. Like, we've got a workout, and, you know, we will do batting practice and a workout, and maybe we can monitor some of that. But we can't also say, hey, you know, like soccer or rugby, where it's like, hey, you're only going to participate in half the drills today. Basketball, I only want you running at a certain tempo. Football, non-contact. Baseball, it's not – I can't can't tell my pitcher to – Hey, today, let me throw 60%. Doesn't work that way. You know, you're not going to get 
you're not going to, A, you can put someone in, in injury, in, uh, higher injury risk. It's going to change mechanics. Um, and it just, we, we're competing every day. Um, so that's, it's hard. And we are putting in new technology to understand things. Um, you know, we use a um, motion capture, motion capture system, um, Kinetrex and the major league um, side when we just added a biomechanist this year, like I said. Um, so that is some really interesting and objective information. Like before, a lot of things were subjective. Like, hey, this, this pitcher throws across his body, you know? Now I can tell you, yeah, his step width is 14 inches across from midline. Like, I know that. So now as we're trying to get him better, I can see, hey, he's getting 11 inches. He's getting nine inches. We're getting closer. Like, we have objective numbers. We have objective measurements. Um, you know, an injury is an injury. If I sprain an ankle today, it's the same as I sprained an ankle 30 years ago. Um, there, there might be some different technologies that, that you can use, whether it's, um, you know, like a class four laser or a Hibamat to, to work with lymphatic drainage or the use of blood flow restriction technology, which is great, but we're still going to treat the injury. We still have to follow the same steps of healing. Um, maybe we can sure. speed it up a little bit. Some people might get and, and I'm sure, and I've been a father too, like we, we get too aggressive with all the stuff and you have to understand the body takes time to heal sometimes. We can do, do things you? To, to, to... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, oh, I was just wondering. You know, you... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm just thinking like, you're talking about injuries and I'm wondering, do you ever compare across the league, like your injury rate and where are you in the percentile compared to the other teams? And you look at the, the top teams with the least amount of injuries for the season. And then you go over and go, okay, to the director of sports performance or sports med, head athletic trainer, whomever, you just go, okay, what are you guys doing that afforded you the least amount of injuries for this past season? I would lie to you if I said we didn't. Um, I don't like to, I, you know, we really are lie. dealt, I, you know, we're dealt the cards that we're dealt with. And, and if we have injuries, it's, you know, maybe there's a trend. Um, maybe we are doing something wrong. Maybe we're pushing too hard. Um, maybe it's just bad luck sometimes. Maybe it's just baseball. You know, the, the arm, the elbow, it's not supposed to throw a baseball the way we do it. But all these yeah. guys do it. Um, you know, playing, you know, with, with the pitch timer and, and, and the game's speeding up a little bit. But in yeah. the 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 ninth inning after playing two hours and 45 minutes and, and a guy hasn't sat on the bench, he takes a hundred percent effort swing and it sprints down to first base. And if you're not prepared yet, hamstrings can go, you know, injuries can happen. Um, I don't like to compare myself to, to another team and be like, Hey, I'm better than you. You're better than me. What I like to do is I like to talk to those, to those guys who I have relationships with to make relationships with like, Hey, when you had these injuries, what worked better for you? You know, it, it's more that like, if you, you know, um, uh, you know, we, our organization, you know, it's no, it's no secret, right. You know, money ball success or, or whatnot. We, yeah. we, we try to strike rich on a low budget, you know, and, and some of that might be taking medical risks and we do a huge 
evaluation as much as we can to allow our front office to understand what injury risks may happen. But our front office understands like, hey, the only way we can try to get a player like this is because no one else may want to take that risk. But we're going to take that risk and we're going to see what what can happen. And some, you know, there we've had some amazing success stories of guys that um, we took a, a risk on and they um, they wound up performing exceeded our expectations and then they wound up leaving in free agency or we traded them and they wound up having longer careers and and i'm proud of that i'm really proud of that i'm proud of of that we were able to help um we took a risk now we also took the risks and sometimes those didn't work out so you know if i say hey we've got 10 elbow surgeries and the you know boston red sox have eight elbow surgeries i don't know what they're looking at i don't know what they're what their their magic potion is, you know, in terms of when they select a player, do they care? Do they care if they have an injury risk? You know, we care to a point because if if we bring someone with an injury risk and they're going to wind up on the the IL, the injury list, that's going to take. We're going to have to promote somebody else, and is somebody else going to be ready for that? And is our farm system ready to handle that? And those are all answers that our front office has to come up with, and, and we help to educate. So that's kind of why I don't like to compare. I like to, to sure. understand. I like to learn from other guys. Um, I don't, you know, in, in also some teams, um, it's gotten a lot better. Um, and I take a lot of pride in, in the electronic medical records system that we use. Um, I've sat on that committee from Major League Baseball kind of since I've been here. Um, in the reporting of those injuries, um, and we've made some some great strides. But you know, sometimes guys just didn't report injuries because they didn't want it. Their front office thought it looked bad if they had five guys in the injury list, so they just wouldn't put guys on the injury list, and they would try to manage it. Our front office doesn't care about that; they care more about the process. Um, so there's there's different things, and in you know. I, we right now have a couple very rare injuries that have that happened in baseball. And those things happen, but they're on our injured list. Excuse me. And they're gonna be they're gonna take they're out, you know, one guy's out for the year because of it. Um do, do you do you see this injury happen that often? No, just luck of the draw, if you will, for us that we he got it while he was with us. Um, and so that's why it's not in my head. It's, it, it's not fair to make those comparisons. Um, what's sure. more now, important, you mentioned that you've got, you've got some colleagues and other teams that are, you've yeah. got a good rapport with, and you're willing to share, yeah. but I imagine, I mean, just from my own experience, there's some teams that do not want their representatives coming on and having a conversation with me. They're just, it's just their, the organization yeah. decided, no, we're just going to hold all of our information, which yeah, I, I get it. But at the same time, what about you? Like, are there organizations that those guys aren't, are just not going to be up for having a conversation with you, but other teams will? Yeah. When it comes to, I, I think most guys will have a conversation. I, I, I haven't run cool. across anyone who won't have a conversation. Are they going to tell me exactly how they treat an injury? Maybe, maybe not. 
Um, are they going to tell me exactly their, what they look at to, to see if, if he's ready to come back? Maybe, maybe not. That's their way of doing things. That's their proprietary uh, analytics department. And that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, but when you don't help the industry grow and you don't help the knowledge grow, like we're going to become stagnant. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to share, like, I, I tell when we sign a, a free agent in the off season and I'm going through and, and I call them and I say, it's a pitcher. And like, I go through our, our shoulder and our arm care exercises. I'm like, Hey guys, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're not trying to do crazy, stupid exercises that are all crazy and new. Like these are bread and butter things with a, maybe a different twist, but the, the way we do things that is how we've found success to, for longevity. Um, is it always right? No. Is it wrong? No. Does it work? I, I like to say most of the time it does. Um, but it's, it's how we present that information, to those exercises to them, how we program them, you know, how we maybe condition a pitcher after they run might be different. Some teams might still believe in, in, uh, you know, four mile runs every day to build up their legs until they pitch again. Some teams might only do sprints. It's just how you do that. And um, that's what I like to share with them is like, hey, this is our philosophy. Is it right or wrong? That's for you to decide. Um, for us, this is how it works. Um, and that's, you know, circling all the way back to my role now is to kind of with that bird's eye view is to make sure that philosophy and how we do things carries out through our minor leagues. Um, and so when our players evolve from rookie ball, the low A, the high A, the double A, like they're, we're following the same philosophy. Um, you know, Nick, Nick started that um, when he was here and making sure we all kind of had the same kind of arm care uh, injury prevention type philosophy. Um, and now we've, we've taken it, I feel like we've taken to the next level and doing things even more. Um, and, you know, having, um, you know, I can, be, I can be a second set of eyes and ears for Nate Brooks, who's our minor league coordinator, because he's got so many guys to worry about. And, hey, I've seen things that, hey, maybe we should scan this right now. Maybe this is worthy, worthy of an MRI because this may happen and may not happen. Or maybe not. Like, hey relax, just let this thing kind of play itself out. We might be okay. Um, that's the difference, I think, between organizations and how they do things. It's just, it's the philosophy, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I said, you, you, everyone gets a Tommy John surgery at some point in their career. If you're going to work in baseball, you're going to see a Tommy John surgery. Um, now we're going to see all these different types of, of procedures, whether they're hybrid procedures, whether they're repairs versus reconstructions, whether they're secondary, primary, what, whatnot. But we know that, you know, the body takes um, time for the graft to mature. So we know that, you know, you're probably not, you know, depending on the doctor that does it, you might not throw for five to six months. And then how do you, how does the throwing program evolve? Do you, you know, I remember, um, years ago, a lot of guys did it based off of time. And they're like, okay, yeah, you're going to throw it 65 minutes. And then you're going to throw it 75 feet for three minutes. Well, in my head, that doesn't work, right? Because what if I get a pitcher that just rocks and fire, rock and fire, rock and fire, rock and fire, they might make 50 throws in those five minutes. 
And I have another guy that is just really cerebral and wants to think about every single movement and he might make 20 throws. So we've evolved, we've changed that. I think some teams might still be out there that that work off this time frame, but I think that's some of the evolution, that's some of the differences. And that's, you know, those thought processes are what can be shared. And what about, say, other injuries and the evolution of how you view them, how you address them, whether surgical or non-surgical? You mentioned like inversion sprains, hamstring pulls, um, rotator cuff, like um, how has that grown or matured over, say, the last five to 10 years? Are you, is, it, is it just still roughly the same protocols or is there an, a different way of looking at them? I think some of them have changed because of the evolution. You know, if we take shoulder injuries from a shoulder, you know, any kind of shoulder injury or an elbow injury with the evolution of the weighted ball and the plyo balls that, that, that guys are throwing and, and starting at a young age and they want to get back to doing that right away. And then, you know, you, you have to kind of plan for all the stress that they put on those joints and you have to plan for the stress that they're going to put on those joints afterwards if they don't follow your, you know, your advice. You know, we, we don't like um, to throw any kind of weighted ball, extra stress coming off of a, uh, say, a, a, a UCL repair for up to 14 months. Um, I think, you know, the graft is still maturing with the body. Like you can throw a baseball. And keep in mind, right, like throwing a baseball, like I said earlier, is you're not meant to do that. Like the Newton forces that are put on that elbow, we all know, like it's not supposed to hold up. And now you put a new ligament in there and you are and, and you want to, try to take a, a weighted ball and to do all these extra throws and you're just doubling down to a ligament that hasn't been really fully matured. And anatomy has changed. You know, you've drilled holes in 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 the the elbow joint to to hold this you have to let the bone heal and but you know what it's sexy to throw a weighted ball it's sexy to run up and and throw as hard as you can and have this 97 flash on a radar gun but how long is that going to last for that evolution has changed the way that we have to rehab um there's some psych there's a lot of psychology there's a lot of education and there's some players that for lack of a better word you know, will tell us to go F off. Like, I'm going to do this my way. I got to, I got to this level by doing this and I'm going to keep on doing it. Okay. Look, man, I'm not always right, but science shows that this may happen again. And this is your career. Um, so I think, you know, you have to be protective of some of those stresses that are going to be placed on them. Um, you know, with the evolution of, uh, uh biome biomechanics and in, in baseball, biomechanics have been around forever. Um, you know, the way we can use them and measure them now, you know, there's, there's work years ago at ASMI, Glenn Fleissig did a lot of work and, and now we're, we, now we, and that's in a lab setting. Now we have in-game biomechanics. We can see where someone's actually working hundred percent. We can see their rotational forces. We can you you know, we can, you know, if we feel in, you know, studies have, have shown that, you know, if you have certain qualities in your delivery that they can have higher stress rates um and maybe we make those changes to to lessen those stress rates but at the same time you've got to be careful that you don't change who the player is and that's you know how they 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 throw funky and that's what allowed them to get to the major leagues you take away that funk their average average joe and that's not going to cut it so you've got to find that balance um that 
has changed. You know, the the use of like I was saying earlier of a, of objective data and using force plates for jump measurements to say like, hey, vertical jump, yeah, he he touched you know six uh, four. Um, you know, but now I can see the power that he's he's eliciting. I can see the power that he's accepting. I can see objectively that, and we can make strides and recommendations. And that's helped. Um, you know, the science that in the research that's been done all over the country, in, in terms of you know uh, whether it's Nordic hamstrings, um, eccentrics, whatnot. We we know tendons heal with eccentric. Um, strengthening. Um, we know that that's research has been done. I think it was out in Norway or Finland. There's a, a huge tendon researcher out there who you know has proven that. And how do you do that for hamstrings? And you know, whether it's Nordics, you know, some some people believe in in using the Nord board and and driving driving that home. Um, some people don't, but you have these objective data now, so you can kind of truly measure it. And that's where I think the evolution has 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 come from. Right on. And what about just kind of finishing up the questions here? What about your own evolution, career-wise? You've you've evolved tremendously <laughs> from everything yeah. you've shared, but where are you evolving into? Or is it too soon to tell? I, I mean, I like to say I'm evolving all the time. Um, I am. I am humble enough to to say I don't know everything. Um, uh, I feel like I have a grasp on a lot of things, so I can kind of help put pieces together. Um, you know, the evolution of um, of sports science is huge. Um, we're dabbling into that. Um, I'm trying to to keep up. I'm trying to learn to figure out different ways on how we can do things. Um, I've always I feel like I've always been a really good communicator, but with more pieces in the um, uh, more stakeholders uh, right now, you know, you got to be even more communicative. You've got to communicate even more. Um, I'm trying to evolve this position and still stay true to who I am and work hands on with athletes all the time. Um, I can't. Um, and it drives me nuts sometimes um, that I'm sitting behind a computer. And I mean, I used to be, I was the hands-on guy. That was, that was my bread and butter. Um, and uh, I have chosen to evolve to, to be a project manager type now. Um, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, Do you ever take a day where you just go, you know what? I got to be back on the field. I got to be on the, I got to be uh, at the table. I got to be in the training room. I just need that I, connection. I do, but then the but then the cell phone rings, and then it's, <laughs> hey, can you come down to the office? We got to talk. Yep, no problem. You know, and and we put together a great staff so we can do that. So that can happen. I can get pulled away, um, and we don't miss a beat. Um, you know, like I said, with Jeff Collins, who's our head trainer, Brad LaRosa, who's our assistant athletic trainer, Elliot Deal, who's um, took over my previous role as an assistant athletic trainer in, in terms of in, in overseeing rehab. We don't miss a beat. Um, so, you know, surrounding yourself with, with good quality people who can complement your weaknesses is what it's all about. 
um, in building a team. And so, you know, we're always evolving to, to build, you know, the, the, the front office, the front office's job, our G, you know, raw team they can build. And, and we're trying to build the best sports medicine, sports performance team that we can build. Um, and that's helping to, to push and evolve, um, you know, our, our lower athletic trainers, our lower strength coaches, you know, I, I was talking to a friend this morning and telling him I was about to do this podcast. And, and this is, this is way out of my comfort zone. I, I never, I don't like to be in a limelight. I don't need to do that. Um, but it, it's taken a while and it's taken people to remind me, like, it, it's really hard to say. I mean, that people younger in their profession have career aspirations in terms of getting to where I'm at or where I've been. And I've been fortunate to be around for a long time now, not as long as other people, longer than some people. Um, I've seen a lot and, and there's, there are things that I can share um, that, that I think we do well, that I think I've done well, that I think I've done wrong. And I love to talk about things that I've done wrong. Um, and, you know, that's where our, where I'm evolving is to, to put everything together. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I, <laughs> I love it. I, you know, we'll, we'll have you back on to get uncomfortable again. And then we can <laughs> talk about between you and me over the years, we've been doing this, all the stuff we've done wrong. I, I honestly, yeah. I think it, that would be phenomenal to be in all sincerity because we learn, I learn more from my failures than I do from my successes by far. A hundred, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, everyone loves to, to talk about how good they did, but you know what, like you're supposed to succeed, you know, it, yeah. it's, you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to do well, but like, and you're not supposed to fail. So when you fail, you better learn from that, from those mistakes. Um, you know. Um, it's, it's a, it, it takes a humble person to say like, I screwed up. I, I did not know what I was doing right there. I should not have done this. But if I, if I, in that, and if I said I didn't, then I'm not true to myself. I'm not true to the people who I'm trying to help. So I try to, to instill that on, on our staff and on, and the people who we surround ourselves with to be like, Hey man. If you don't know it, just ask for help. Yeah. Figure it out. Let's work together. Valuable advice. Well, Brian, this has been phenomenal. I really want to thank you for, I mean, taking an hour out of your busy day and not answering the phone here and all that. <laughs> I, I really, thank you, man. This has been my, fantastic. Dude, it, it, was, it was my pleasure. It was awesome. It was, I, I love just kind of flowing organically and, and, uh, like I said, as, as uncomfortable as sometimes it is doing this, I, I find myself just rambling sometimes because, um, you know, I am passionate about this. I'm passionate about, about, you know, what, what I do, what, what you do, Rocky. I love the fact that, you know, you bring on people from all different entities. You know, it's not just athletic trainers. It's not just strength coaches. It's not, you know, there's nutritionists, there's, I think you've had a sleep expert on there once before. It's, yeah. it's, it's everyone. It's, um, it just, and you know what? It takes that one person to listen to, to, to your, to the podcast and, 
to listen to this and for it to, to strike something, you know, and, and that's, and that's awesome. And I, and I, and I, I appreciate you doing this. I couldn't do it. So. Well, my pleasure. Awesome. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do it again. And, and, uh, this was, this was great. Right on. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Zealous Podcast. Thank you, Brian, for coming on. Thanks to the A's organization for allowing this all to happen. And remember, you can go onto my website, rockysnyder.com, and take that online course, Exploring Foot Wedges. It's 0.5 CEUs for NSCA certified members. And also, meet me in Boston, or need them, at Physio X Physical Therapy, September 23rd. That's a Saturday. And it's an all-day geek-out session on biomechanics and foot wedges. We'll see you next week.